This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Brian Karras, CEO at Playbook Media. Brian, welcome to the BNCFF's podcast. Thanks for having me, Art. Great. Thank you for coming. All right. Uh, first, let's set the stage. In this episode, we will be discussing how ChatGPT can help you create more effective digital marketing campaigns. We will be exploring the latest advancements in language models and machine learning and how they can be used to generate persuasive marketing content tailored to your target audience. Our guest speakers will share their insights on how ChatGPT can help you improve your digital marketing efforts by creating more engaging content, improving your SEO, and increasing your ROI. Sit back, relax, and join us as we explore the exciting world of digital marketing with ChatGPT. Okay. If you ever heard my previous intros, you would feel there's something off about this one. And you would be right, because this one was written by ChatGPT itself. I have no idea why it decided to that I will be having more than one guest on this episode. And of course... The topics around the whole gamut of what can be said about using ChatGPT in digital marketing, but we only have like a half an hour, not a week, to discuss them all. So, before we're going to be spending thirty minutes or so on discussing our ChatGPT and its usage for digital marketing, Brian, let's start off with talking about you. Tell us about your background, please. Yeah, sure. Uh... A little background on me. So uh, I'm a longtime digital marketer. I've been doing this for got uh, about 16 years now. Started off in lead generation, uh, doing education marketing for guys like University of Phoenix. I was at uh, Marin Software for a couple of years, where we were the largest aggregator of Google spend at the time, with a couple billion dollars going through our platform. And I advised. A bunch of big companies, everyone from eHarmony Square, One Kings Lane on their Google campaigns. And then I was at Meta, uh, then called Facebook for four years. Uh, I worked there in uh, financial services uh, with a bunch of the big banks, brokerage, and then fintech, uh, guys like Personal Capital and uh, and others uh, in the app space. And then I moved into their e-commerce vertical uh, where I worked with uh, the venture uh, VCs. Uh, so Andreessen Horowitz and Social Capital, and I worked with their portfolio companies uh, to help them figure out their unit economics to scale up user acquisition uh, using Facebook ads. Uh, and uh, that rolled into helping to found what's uh, called the Disruptors team uh, at Meta now where they focus on high growth venture back companies uh, and uh, helping them to scale up. Uh, I found that there was a lot of need for earlier stage businesses and helping them with their marketing campaigns, which is why I left in 2017 to start my own agency, which is called Playbook Media. We work with early to mid stage and even some later stage companies uh, on digital marketing. Uh, we run uh, campaigns uh, across all paid social, Google, uh, and we have a creative arm as well. Uh, and we also have a subsidiary called GrowTal, where we connect freelance digital marketing experts with businesses that need their expertise 
And we also pull them into our playbook clients from time to time to help with things that we don't normally staff for. Yeah, so you you actually answered my second question as well. What is playbook media these days and what you guys do in the market? It's pretty broad spectrum of uh, services for uh, companies of various sizes. Um, any Anything you can share in terms of your you know, latest clients, some folks you worked with recently? Yeah, so we work with a variety of different uh, businesses, but usually falls into three different categories, uh, e-commerce, uh, then lead generation, which I would say is really any kind of business where there's a longer sales cycle. So someone wants to generate a lead and then pass it on to uh, a sales team. And then SaaS businesses, and SaaS businesses can also can fit into B2B and also consumer software. Uh, so, for example, one of the larger consumer software businesses would be a company called OmniConnect, uh, where they connect uh, utilities with uh, individual users who are looking to save on their utility bills, and they provide cash back for people to cut back on their energy. Uh, we work with uh, HelloFresh uh, and some other larger e-com brands. Uh, and then on the lead gen side, uh, we work with a, a business called NCSA, which uh, helps uh, college students or uh, high school students get into college uh, sports teams. Um, so a big variety of different companies, um, but all need help with visual marketing and customer acquisition. Gotcha, Brian. Okay. Um, Chat GPT was launched more or less six months ago. People have been using the tool for pretty much anything under the sun, including app marketing. So in your estimate, what areas of application in app marketing specifically would you see for ChatGPT? Well, you know, I think it's uh, it's difficult to say specific to app marketing versus uh, other areas of marketing. I think ChatGPT when I think about it, uh, can be used uh, for really idea generation uh, and help with copywriting. Um, and so whenever we use it, we use it for applications, say, in our uh, customer acquisition campaigns on, uh, say, TikTok or Meta, and we want to come up with ideation for the types of creative that we're going to put out there, right? And so we would put in okay, who is our target custom audience? What is the app that we are going to be promoting? And what are the types of value propositions that we would want to position to different folks and then come up with scripts from there? And what we found is, is that ChatGPT, while it's very powerful in creating ideas, it's really not great in terms of uh, coming up with a final script, right? Uh, so it can help you to get over writer's block uh, and issues like that uh, and kind of give you that initial idea, but it really takes the human touch to bring that idea to fruition and make something that's going to stand out in the market and really differentiate your creative uh, from someone else. Um, the other area where I see it being used a lot is encoding, right? It's It's helping a lot of people with writing code and writing code more quickly because um, it's essentially kind of like a GitHub on steroids, right? Where it can help yeah. you to write things more quickly. We don't do a lot of coding, but from everyone I know uh, in that space, uh, they're finding it to be very useful in terms of speeding up minimum viable products. But the same thing, same rules apply there, right? Where you need a good engineer who's going to be able to take 
that code base and bring it up to the next level to write something that is truly clean and truly scalable uh, versus you know what it's going to spit out out of the box. So if I'm getting it right, you see ChatGPT is like that creative person in the room who can give you 80% of the task, but you have to polish the last 20 with your human brain. Otherwise, it's just going to be raw and not finished. So there's no way you can create something from scratch and just copy and paste and you're gone. Yeah, I would say definitely not. Not in its current application. But, you know, as it grows, we'll see what happens. I have a good friend uh, who works for uh, a business where they're, they're in blockchain and he's basically helping to decrypt the blockchain. Uh, but he was at Meta for a long time and he mm -hmm. was, uh, he's been doing all sorts of different stuff. He's at OpenSea and very one of the smartest guys I know. And he was talking to me about AI and he was saying, you know, if you look at AI right now, it's at maybe a three or four year old, right? And a lot of people don't get the idea that like, it's going to continue doubling every two years, right? And so next thing you know, it will be uh, at the age of a 30 year old. And so when that happens, I mean, God help us, right? Yeah. But, uh, so stay but tuned. Currently, it's not quite there. Got you. Um, perhaps um, you have across some tools that have been using chat DPT. Like I can give you an example. My personal favorite is a Notion app. Mm -hmm. Of course, you can um, ask um, chat DPT to generate something in the interface of the Bing search from Microsoft. But in the Notion app, you can basically ask uh, Chat DPT, like the second person, come on, just type in something into the window for me to start with, some great ideas, um, or help me to change the style of my writing. Again, not replacing me by any stretch of imagination, but just helping me to out switching between styles. Do you have anything in your um, like on your list of being using any tools that are using Chat DPT? I mean, all honesty, I. I'm not using a ton of tools using ChatGPT right now, but what I would say is the same sort of thing, right? Whenever you're in Notion, uh, when you're in these types of apps to help you bring the next idea down or change the style of writing is one of the main use cases. I think it's also really useful for people who uh, are kind of ESL, right? So if you're uh, an immigrant to the United States or Canada or, or wherever it might be, and uh, English is your second language, uh, you may not get the grammar 100% uh, and be able to shift that over and put it into a place that's going to be uh, feel a little bit more fluid. Um, and so, for example, with our, uh, with our SDRs, we have SDRs who are out of the Philippines, and uh, we'll arm them with ChatGPT to help us write uh, all the initial kind of scripts and outreach and email campaigns that we're leveraging. Same thing though applies, right? Is that whenever you look at this, uh, sometimes it's too formal. Sometimes the content that comes out of it is not quite in the way that you want it to be. So you still have to have someone that comes back and edits it if it's gonna be an outbound email campaign, but it's gonna help them to come up to speed a lot faster than maybe they would be able to on their own. Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a great point. I never thought that actually good way of uh, polishing and closing the gap between the level of knowing English, the, the level of how uh, people for whom English is the second language be able to come up with a 
creative and there's still a bit of a gap between how well can be written by that person and what actually need for native speakers to uh, get the message. So chat DPT can help to close this gap and make it perfect. But again, that's like a, uh, the ultimate assistant, right? We can think of. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's the same thing, you know, if you think about translation services, right. Uh, as you're moving from one country to another, uh, you could be, you know, applying the same, right. In terms of helping you to more quickly, uh, scale out an app or scale out your content uh, into different languages, uh, it's going to be a, a great way to do that as well. And uh, the same goes for graphics, for video. Uh, so far, what I've seen in terms of generating uh, still images and videos um, using generative AI capabilities, it's both striking that I actually can pull it off from uh, just creating something um from scratch basically which doesn't look like anything which it existed before but at the same time just be very that um because there's no human comprehension by chat dpt what is actually doing so things like you know six fingers on, on a person on a picture it's what you can expect so count the, count the fingers on the characters in your uh promotion otherwise you will be uh, ashamed later on um and with video production it is great if you can um if, if what you need from uh generative ai is just this simple video clip based on the template uh, the characters in the video are not, you know, running or jumping. They're just uh, basically a person sitting on the table and not really moving a lot in front of the camera. These platforms, uh, the, the platforms that, that are capable to create this kind of video, promotional video for you do exist. Um, but again, um, it's, um, it's a great help. It's a, it's a great tool for you to help to create something simple. And you have to wait for a few years. So it's hard to see like how many years it's gonna um, it's gonna require for generative AI to create something really uh, groundbreaking on the video frontier. Like you know, uh, when it comes to text, we can see the great potential for somebody who, who just like you said, is uh, a toddler, right? Not even teenager. Mm -hmm. I'm actually afraid what kind of phrases the chat DPT will be telling us when it comes to the teenage. Um, that will be an interesting analogy. But yeah. jokes, as, jokes aside, um, yeah, I, I I would agree that chat DPT, like the best case of use right now is uh, using for generating text uh, for brainstorming when you have a mental block uh, luckily, ChatGPT, even though it may hallucinate, sometimes create something um, nonsensical. Like uh, you know, people may come to a library asking for books, uh, knowing, uh, thinking that they've got the list of books to read, but these books do not exist because ChatGPT just came up with the new titles from authors that do not exist. So these cases of hallucinations are still there, and OpenAI promises that ChatGPT. 5 or 4.5, I don't know which the next version will be, uh, should stop hallucinating at that point. But right now, yeah, it's a great brainstormer. 
but you have to take care of the final product absolutely in every single case. Yeah, I, I want to kind of go back to a couple of things that you just said. Um, one was uh, on the on the notion of video and creative and generative AI. I think there's a lot of uh, focus from the industry and what people want to see, which is that you can just put something in and it's going to spit out what you want, right? Uh, and like that idea is what everybody's afraid of, but also what they're really interested in. Is this going to replace humans? But I'm a big believer in the idea of humans plus AI, right? It's the combination of the two. And so when you think about it as a productivity tool, then it becomes a lot more powerful and you start really seeing how it's going to be used on an iterative basis versus uh, as like this total game-changing revolution. And so if you look at like what Adobe's doing, for example, in terms of mm -hmm. integrating their AI tools into, uh, you know, uh, what is it? Um, uh, Photoshop and Final Cut and all these kinds of different different tool sets uh, that they're putting in in terms of video and uh, and image editing is that they're going to speed up the process that humans would take to create different things and they're going to be able to bring in generative AI into your images and your videos and it's going to give layman video editors the ability to do special effects that were once reserved for the best of the best or that had the ma massive processing capabilities to be able to render in special graphics on all those different things. And so what you're going to see is, is it's kind of a continuation of the uh, the story as, as you're seeing it now, right? It's like you get all of a sudden you have phones with uh, with cameras on them and everybody's got a camera in their pocket and they can start doing little edits on their phones. But next thing you know, right, uh, anybody is going to be able to create, you know, Marvel style graphics uh, themselves out of their house using tool sets uh, that will likely be AI generated. So I think that you know, that's that's one of the big places that I would suggest people leaning in is thinking about, okay, what are the tool sets that are using this and who are the professionals in the space, right? Because they're not going to put out something that's going to give you six fingers. They're going to give you something that's truly, truly usable. Um, and I think the same thing, you know, even your point on Notion, right? And it's like the idea of using Notion plus ChatGPT is likely going to be better than just using ChatGPT itself. And so who are the reputable people and how are they going to build the right products uh, using the technology versus you just plugging in and, and trying to leverage it out of the box? Yeah, to your point, Brian, about the uh, tool launched by Adobe, on top of what you've said, I like the fact that they do take, they they're taking care about the rights of the graphic content that have been used for generating new content. So all huge database of images that have been used for generative AI for Adobe to create new stuff is under the copyright. So they, they're they thinking ahead, any possible legal problem uh, with content being used um, for generating new stuff and possible problems uh, connected with that. That's a smart approach because um, take, um, text creating music creating audio uh video creating in every case there is there is a case to be made that uh certain um uh copyrights uh belong to people to generate that created the stuff that chat dpt is using for creating new stuff 
Um, I recently heard the CTO of Paramount, sorry, not the CTO of Paramount, I'm taking it back, a uh, person from um, a recording company LA who was talking from the stage about there's a problem when uh, you know, music being generated by Chad DPT uh, and, um, you know, funny cases like this recent album by Drake, which is, does not exist. It wasn't created by Drake, but mm -hmm. this is a funny case. It's like a one-off, but there may be cases when music created by um, somebody like the prompt was to create something uh, based on the music from 60s, but the model never had this information. It can only create something based on the um, music records created in 90s. Right. Somebody who owns, still still <laughs> own copyright, and that may be a problem. It's just one example from uh, you know this dilemma of generative AI is the only way you can create new stuff is having a huge database of information created before, but all those text graphics music was created by somebody somebody owned the copyright for that content right yeah no absolutely i mean you hear about just uh i was just heard about this letter I, I forget how many uh authors they have now who are going into chat gpt and saying hey open ai you can't use our content you need to be yep. removing this from your systems and so you know in some ways uh, it's sort of too bad because you know, we could take the collective knowledge of humanity and the collective works of humanity and then put that into something that's going to create uh, more iterative works and it's going to empower right. everybody. But at the same time, people are protective of their intellectual property and as they should be, right? Uh, you know, any business who's created anything is going to protect that intellectual property. That's their asset. Individuals, it's their asset. And they're not going to want people to be profiting off of that and for them not to get a piece. And so to your point, folks like Adobe, right, uh, coming in there and doing it right and actually giving credit where credit's due, I think is the right way to go about it. And so it kind of comes back down to some of those, the basic concepts of ownership, right? Like try to own as much as you can of everything you create and be protective of it. And then, uh, you know, guys like OpenAI and Google are going to have to shell out uh, to leverage that. And eventually we'll get into a world like Spotify is with music where everything is available and everyone's getting their royalties. But it's going to take a little while before, you know, all of that piping is set up properly and you're going to have a lot of a lot of legal battles, I think, in between. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm sure you've noticed recently you haven't seen one of your uh, favorite uh, TV shows, right? It's in, uh, no, um, no Stephen Cabert, no Seth Mayer lately, because the writers on the strike, the mm -hmm. union trying to force the uh, their right to retain the stuff that had been written by them from using in chat DPT or similar systems, you know, on top of raising the, wage, the minimum wage. But they, you know, used to be just asking for more money for the work. Right now is the huge, uh, quite justified uh, fear that uh, they may be replaced. Right. Uh, especially we can just uh, use the, you know, the whole library of previous uh, seasons uh, and generate something in the same style. It's completely doable right now. This is what ChatGPT is capable of doing. Yeah, especially if people keep on watching the same story arcs over and over and over again. I don't know how many Marvel movies they can make, but geez, 
<laughs> right. Maybe ChatGPT could come up with something that's actually original and interesting. Original <laughs> for real. Um, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. Um, having more than 15 years of being in digital marketing, uh, what would you like to change about digital marketing the most? Oh, wow. Uh, that's a good question. Uh, I would say uh, people actually measuring the outcomes of their marketing efficiently and effectively. So one of the things that drives me the, the most crazy about marketers is they look at everything from, you know, last click attribution, which is, you know, did somebody click on my ad and did they buy, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And so then more sophisticated ones try to get in multi-click attribution and all these different things. But everybody at the end of the day ends up coming back to the same sort of thought process. Uh, can I see cause and effect from a very short period of time of one thing I did and what actually happened? And when you think about it, the consumer journey is almost always a lot, lot more complicated than that. And one of the exciting things in AI that we're seeing right now is the ability to really understand the cause and effect and measure your marketing properly. Uh, and so, you know, when we talk about ChatGPT, like, I think, yeah, that's all interesting, but there are all these other applications of AI and marketing that people are not necessarily looking at. And one of them is AI and measurement. Uh, and so one of the most exciting things that we're working on right now is bringing out media mix modeling at scale for our advertisers. And media mix modeling, uh, if, for those that don't know how it works, it's essentially a big statistical like regression model and looking at what's the cause and effect from my marketing uh, on the outcome that I care about. So maybe it's app installs or uh, revenue events within your app. And uh, people are still kind of stuck on this notion of who, you know, what's the attribution? Did I run a meta ad? Did I run an app store ad? And did this person sign up? And then did they convert? But as it turns out, you know, if you're running, uh, you could be running connected TV campaigns, you could be running YouTube, you could be running, uh, you know, an ad mob and a bunch of other places. And those, those things would have touched the same users that you got within your, you know, your MMP or uh, within your own measurement. Uh, and you won't see that within your data. And so you have to take a statistical approach to it. And so uh, you can onboard these uh, media mix model providers and they can essentially run all of the data in real time and figure out what is the cause and effect of my marketing and what's driving a true return for me and where am I seeing diminishing returns from where I'm current allocating budgets. And that can allow you to reallocate the budgets in the places that are giving you the best returns and, uh, and help you make better decisions within your marketing. And I think the cool thing about this is that it really opens up new channels for marketers and they don't get stuck, you know, just competing at the bottom of the funnel in their app store marketing or brand marketing on Google or these different places. And they realize, hey, actually, if I move up funnel and I drive more awareness kind of traffic that traditionally had been difficult to measure, it actually does drive downstream conversions for me. And I can get a much better read on that than I had been previously. Yeah, that's a great point, Brian, because we human beings in pretty much every area of uh, expertise, we always try to simplify the like the situation we're working with. Uh, we're trying to put in this concrete boxes 
to make it simple because especially in marketing as things moving forward we're having more and more platforms more and more opportunities to reach out uh, our potential audience and as great as it is that it complicates it creates new levels of complexity you have to deal with and um, you know special computing so to speak uh so called by apple is in the horizon uh their uh, visual uh, vision pro headset uh is the next frontier for apps and presumably for advertising in the future so it's going to be a next level of uh complexity because ads uh demonstrated there will have to be tied in into your equation from what you're getting from um, CTV, what you're getting from mobile advertising, um, good old offline advertising, which is hardly measurable. But um, yeah, this is like probably for ChatGPT, this is the task for, to help ourselves because it's capable of doing statistics on the level we just can't. Yeah, I, mean, I think that there are, there's just a lot of interesting models coming out of the AI space, right? Like I, I was at a, a meta conference and I was listening to their CMO recently and they were talking about how they've upgraded their AI, right? And uh, I didn't really know this before, but they've changed a lot of their hardware. Uh, they've moved away from CPU kind of hardware into GPUs. And I would have figured they were using GPUs before, but... I guess they weren't, and they're moving into, and I, you may know this better than me, but it's uh, it's transformer models uh, in AI, and as a result, it's empowering this new understanding of the data and the behavior that's happening on Meta, and they've launched what's called advanced shopping campaigns. They're bigger in e-commerce, uh, but they're moving this into mobile uh, as well and mobile apps. And they can understand so much more about what seem like uh, ancillary behaviors, but that can actually help them to see, oh, there is intent behind this. And if there's intent, now I can serve somebody an ad and that ad is much more effective, right? And so yeah. you can see that uh, by just using AI and a lot of data that uh, is not necessarily well-structured and putting it into these models, we're going to see the ability to really run a more statistical analysis of is this the right thing to be showing to somebody or isn't it the right uh, thing to be showing and is it the right time right time of day and and how much how, how long have they been on and they're able to uh figure out and use all those different signals to drive the right message to you at the right time and that wouldn't have been possible without ai right that only came about in the last six months and uh, before that, their algorithm was great, but Apple, when you mentioned Apple, our buddies at Apple killed uh, the ability for app marketers to uh, have the very lucrative advertising that they had for a while, right? And so yeah. for a while, it looked like that was going to die because you couldn't get that direct signal in that, or you can't get that direct signal in now, but because AI can take the indirect signals and put it together, we can get the same effect on the other end. Uh, and I find that to be uh, really interesting. And it's also more privacy secure, uh, which I, I think people are paranoid about privacy and marketing. I don't, people aren't actually selling data. They're probably selling data more today than they were before. Uh, it's like in you know, the law of unintended consequences. Uh, but the AI driven marketing actually, I think, is more privacy secure. So um, that's a good thing. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could can be that answer to reconciling both questions, user privacy and putting the efficiency of tracking on track and even better than it was before Apple introduced the ATT framework. And as, as you've said, killed the idea, the ability to track people uh, going from one app to the other and tracking the uh, efficiency of advertising. So fingers crossed. Yeah. Okay. We just uh, finished the first part of the show and I have a second one, which is uh, small, but sweet. Uh, I'm asking a few questions to every guest on the show. So people who are listening to us can uh, not only uh, get an insight on a specific topic, uh, but know a little bit better every guest on the show. Okay, uh, here we go. What smartphone do you have now? Uh, are you one of those people who are switching between platforms or staying one side? Uh, I have an iPhone 11 plus and I stick to Apple, even though uh, I don't like what they've done in the marketing space. I think they're a little bit arrogant as a company, but man, everything just works, right? And all connects so easily. So uh, hard to switch away from that. Gotcha. Uh, okay, jumping back in time, before uh, the multi-capacity smartphone era, what was your first mobile phone you could put in your pocket? Oh, I had, I think, an LG flip phone. Um, yeah, it was a little gray, metallic-looking flip phone. I can't even remember, you know, anything beyond that, but it's very simple. Yeah, simple and the better elastic ages. Um, getting back to present, um, imagine you've left your uh, smartphone at home. Uh, you're out. Uh, what would be the most missing feature for you? Um, I would say the most missing feature if I've left my phone at home, uh, would be just the ability to text, just staying in contact with people. Okay. And they, what, what's the, what's the missing feature, uh, could be hardware, software, both for you, for a smartphone. I'm not asking I'm not asking necessary for something uh, to m make this thing to be able to do more stuff, perhaps, you know, keeping the better balance. So what what is missing for you? What would you like your smartphone to be able to do? Um, I would like a, I would actually like a better limiting function. Uh, and the, the balance is actually an interesting one because I do find like for work, I do social media marketing. Uh, and so I always have to be on social media, but I find it to be highly addicting and distracting from the other things that I need to do. And so uh, the time limits and all those different components, I'm very good at circumventing them. Uh, so, so I need to have something that's a little bit of a, a harder push, but then also allows me to use it whenever I need to use it for my work. Um, and so it's pretty nuanced, I think, uh, for my specific use case. Yeah, it almost requires the human uh, brain agency capable of uh, doing things, uh, software, uh, to be able to help you with this fine line between still being productive, still being able to fire on the full cylinders, and at the same time, do not go crazy with that because of getting too much of uh, social media in your life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fine line. 
Okay, Brian, before I let you go, very, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do? Uh, yeah, you can find uh, us on playbook.media or growtal.com, G-R-O-W-T-A-L.com, or you can hit me on email at brian at playbook.media. Cool. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show and spending time with us. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. And uh, we'll look forward to seeing it when it comes out. Yep. Great. Bye-bye. And that was Brian Karras, CEO at Playbook Media. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe and you'll be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.